Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to pray for the word and then we'll crack on into it. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you that Kate and Locke remembered. And thank you that my mum is here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just do want to honour my mum because she's the best mum in the world. Sorry, all you other mums. But uh, she is and she, you know, we were just doing continue the conversation for online, Kate, mum and I together, which was pretty cool. But um, I was thinking about it. Mum, you know, she was declared unable to have children. She had a miraculous child. And then two, probably the third one was the most miraculous, just in the sheer blessing. Um, but, um, and then, you know, obviously lost her husband and then um, three years as a single mum and then married my dad, my stepdad, um, a godly man, made sure she married a godly man that would raise her kids to know God. And so, mum, I honour you and I'm so grateful for you and you are the best in the West, Central West, Kara, in fact. Okay, yes, honour my mum, please. Thank you. All right. We're going to read through a passage of John and and people tell me that I sound like a jacked up, over-caffeinated auctioneer when I read scripture. So I'm going to attempt to slow down and do my best, but uh, you know it's only a matter of time. So um, Jesus knew. We're going John 4. If you don't know, we're in the book of John for the month of May. We're reading right through John. And the way that you get the most out of the book of John is to do the daily devotions. If you scan the QR code, you'll be able to download them. And that is the way to get the most out of this book. You'll hear weekend messages. You might watch the weekend's midweek studies, but the best way is to read the Bible for yourself. You know, if you ever say to yourself, oh, I just don't know that I get very fed, this is a way to feed yourself because you aren't babies in a high chair, you are adults. Okay, great. Uh, Jesus knew, John chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptising and making more disciples than John, but Jesus himself didn't baptise them, his disciples did, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. You see, John the Baptist, the OG troublemaker, had been thrown into prison, so the Jewish authorities now turned their attention to Jesus, the next troublemaker in their eyes. But Jesus knew that his hour had not yet come. He wasn't yet ready to be betrayed and to be killed, which was his purpose, and to rise again on the third day. So instead, he left. He got out of the way. Verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. But no, actually, he didn't. The quicker way would have been to the east of the Jordan, up the Transjordan. That would have been the quicker way. So it wasn't a geographical mandate or an imperative that he had to go that way. It was a, he had to go that way because his father said he had to go that way and he didn't do anything except what the father told him. And there was a person that the father had ordained for him to speak to on the way. Verse 5, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. This is the label with which she has labelled herself. I am a Samaritan woman. Uh, Dad sent me a TED talk once about a man who joined a feminist group where it was him and 12 women. Now, he didn't care about feminism. He just liked those odds. And, and so he went to this group 
and, and they would talk about the struggle that they had. And this white woman looked at a black woman and referred to their shared struggle. And the black woman said, um, excuse me, we do not have a shared struggle. And the white woman said, of course we do, like we're both women. And she said, sure, but I'm a black woman. And that is vastly different to the struggle of a white woman. And the black woman began to explain that when she looks in the mirror, she sees a black woman. And the woman, white woman said, oh, I see a woman. And they began to discuss how we identify ourselves by our area of disadvantage. And for the man, he said that that was his moment of realisation of his privilege because when he looked in the mirror, he saw a person. And so this woman, this Samaritan woman, has said, I'm a Samaritan inferior to you, a Jew, because the Samaritans were half-breeds of the pure Jewish race. They didn't worship in Jerusalem. They worshipped on a mountain called Mount Gerizim. And the, the Jews had actually raised that temple to the ground in 100 BC. Not only that, they were just considered less than. But Jesus goes and talks to this woman, never mind the fact that men and women were not meant to associate unless they were related or chaperoned. And she says to him, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And Jesus is saying, your external disadvantages don't define you. It's what's on the inside of you that defines you. And I want to come and refresh and restore and renew and redeem everything that's inside you so that you will call yourself and define yourself completely differently. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She's still very much focused on the external. So Jesus goes a little bit deeper. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. If you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now, you certainly spoke the truth. Now, if you're familiar with this story, even if you listen to the Bible app, You might hear this phrase being said like this. Jesus said, you're right. Hang on, I'll try to do the dude from the Bible app. You're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. There's like this accusatory tone. But we read that into the text because we read it as we are, not as it is. And nothing about the narrative of Jesus Christ suggests that he would be accusatory and condemning in the way that he spoke. It says in the word that he came not into the world to condemn it, but to save it. So when he looks at this woman, he looks at her and with love, he tells her exactly where she's at, exactly where she's at. Verse 17 odd. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you've had five husbands. Just read that. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And then she's like, let's change the subject. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Uh, Pivot. Um, Verse 20. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? 
Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it, will be no, when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the, time, about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Jesus lets her know exactly who he is. And he tells her, it so matter, doesn't matter so much where you worship. It matters who you worship. Um, something I heard recently was that every human being is looking for three things. They're looking for worth, they're looking for belonging, and they're working, looking for purpose. And whenever I hear something like that, I, I kind of try to put it in the temperaments because I think about the way that we're wired so differently. And for me, you might disagree, but I feel like the am I worth is a thinker's question. It's a thinker's question because a thinker doesn't care so much that you agree with them as long as you take the time to understand them. So they're essentially saying, am I enough for you to take the time to actually care about my point of view. I don't care if we remain completely divided on it at the end, but can you just understand me? Will you take the time to understand me? Am I worth it for you to take the time to understand me? Then a feeler is, do I belong? Am I loved? Am I accepted? Do I belong? And then a doer is like, what's my purpose? What have I got to do? Is this meaningful? Will people recognise this as being meaningful? Is it applaudable? Not because I need the applause, but I just want it to matter. I just want it to mean something. Is this good work? Worth, belonging and purpose. I wonder if you identify more with one than the other or maybe all three. I heard a story about a bus tour in a foreign country and the bus driver took all these people off and, and then they stopped at a servo and went to the toilet and they were there and, and they all got back on the bus and the bus driver's looking in the rear vision mirror and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, something's not right. I don't know who is the rear vision mirror is over there, but maybe it says something about my driving. But uh, there, there it is. There, I don't know. Um, and he's like, something's not right here. Buses are different, everybody. <laughs> and, and he said, okay, he stops the bus and he says, okay, there was a little Asian woman. She was very attractive. She was in a blue dress. I can't see her anywhere. Are you on the bus? And, and no one says anything. And he's like, right, okay, we're going to have to go back. I'm sorry, everybody. We've got to turn around. We've got to go to the servo. And he orders everyone off the bus. He says, please look for this woman. She's a very attractive little Asian woman and she's in a blue dress. Everyone go find her. And, um, and they come back. They can't find her. So he gets everyone to sit down back on the bus. He does a head count. He's like, no, we've got the right amount of people. He said, right, well, someone's here that shouldn't be here because... The little Asian attractive woman with the blue dress isn't here. And so he's going around looking at everyone. He sees a woman with a cap and sunglasses. He says, can you just take your sunglasses off? And she takes the sunglasses off and it's the little Asian woman who was in a blue dress, but she got changed into jeans and a shirt and a cap and sunglasses. And she'd gotten off the bus and was looking for herself along with everybody else. And I wonder if sometimes we're a bit like that. We're looking for that worth and that belonging and that purpose. And we're wandering through life, looking for ourselves and wondering, am I enough? Can I get this done? Who, who am I meant to be? Will people accept me? Will people love me? Psychologists told Daz and I recently that the most damaging things to the brain in order are fear, guilt and worry. Fear is concerned with the future. So what, what's going to happen? Guilt is concerned with the past, what I've done, what I've said, 
who people believe me to be now. And worry is concerned with the present. You might be, you might be victim to all three right now. And there's much study done about pornography and all sorts of things that damage the brain. Drugs damage the brain. And he said, these three emotions are every bit as damaging to the brain. Fear, guilt and worry. So if our three biggest needs are worth, belonging and purpose, if our three biggest damaging emotions are fear, guilt and worry, what do we do about that? Last week we talked about John the Baptist and Jesus is going to get baptised by his cousin John and he goes down to the water and, and, and John's saying, no, Jesus, this isn't right. I'm not meant to be baptising you. You're so much better than me. You should baptise me. And Jesus says, just let it be how it is for now. And Jesus goes down into the water and he comes back up and there's this moment where the Godhead is present right there. The only time in Scripture in the New Testament that the voice from heaven of the Father, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and Jesus the Son coming up out of the water. <clears throat> and it says in verse 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. I feel like God in this moment, in this statement, answered the question of belonging, the question of purpose, and the question of worth. This is my son. Intrinsic worth is imbued upon us when we are a child of God. Nothing else you need to do but accept Jesus, become a child of God, as we read in John chapter 1 last week, and we are immediately accepted. We immediately belong to the family of God, whom I love. You want to know, you want to know your worth? I love you, God says. I love you. With whom I'm well pleased. Your purpose, your mission, everything's taken care of. I am pleased with you. And you know when God said this to Jesus? Before Jesus preached a single sermon, before Jesus did a single miracle, before Jesus did anything else to please God, went into fasting and prayer. At the start of his ministry, God says, This is my son, whom I love love in whom I'm well pleased. And today, I believe we need to hear this. You are his son. You are his daughter. He loves you and he's pleased with you. I hope you can hear the voice of the father today saying that about you without you doing a single thing for him. And when Jesus spoke to this woman at the well, he addressed her guilt. He didn't say, yeah, you're done. Or let's not talk about it. It's awkward, right? Fine. And a de facto, wow. He doesn't, he, he just like acknowledges it. He addresses her fear of the future and says, there's living water and you can have eternal life. And in her worry right now about who she is, because we don't know why she went from husband to husband, but there had to be part of her somewhere along the line was like, there's something wrong with me. And he addresses her by declaring to her who he is. He says, I am the Messiah. And by doing that, he gives her dignity, value and purpose. He tells her who she is and he qualifies her. So the declaration is important. If you haven't opened your gift yet, it's just a set of declarations about who you are in Christ. And I'm just going to tell you also, if you scan the QR code, there's a wallpaper that you can download from your, for your phone. And it's a summary of this statement. And there's no timer, so I have no idea where I'm up to because it's a split preach today, people. Linnea Marie Barlow is about to come and take the stage. So in Christ, I'm accepted. 
In Christ, I am accepted. John 1, 12, I'm God's child. John 15, 15, I'm Christ's friend. Romans 5, 1, I've been justified. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, I'm united with the Lord and I'm one in spirit with Him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I'm a member of Christ's body. Ephesians 1, 1, I'm a saint. Ephesians 1, 5, I've been adopted as God's child. Ephesians 2, 18, I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 14, I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 2, 10, I'm complete in Christ. In Christ, I am secure. Romans 8, 1, one to two, I am free forever from condemnation. Romans 8, 28, I'm assured that all things work together for good. Romans 8, 31 to 34, I am free from any condemning charges against me. Romans 8, 35 to 39, I cannot be separated from the love of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22, I've been established, anointed and sealed by God. Colossians 3, 3, I'm hidden with Christ in God. Philippians 1, 6, I'm confident that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. Philippians 3, 20, I'm a citizen of heaven. 2 Timothy 1, 17, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Hebrews 4, 16, I can find grace and mercy in time of need. 1 John 5, 18, I'm born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. In Christ, I am significant. Matthew 5, 13 to 14, I'm the salt and light of the earth. John 15, 1 to 5, I'm a branch of the vine, a channel of his life. John 15, 16, I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Acts 1, 8, I'm a personal witness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, I'm God's temple. 1 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, I'm a co-worker. Ephesians 2, 6, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, 10, I'm God's workmanship. Ephesians 3, 12, I'm approach God with freedom and confidence. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Will you give Jesus a massive hand and welcome Linnea at the same time. That's a lot of breath, Bron. You could be a marathon runner from that. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to keep going. But as we know, it's Mother's Day. Surprise! Happy Mother's Day. And today is a day where it's a set-aside day. And something when Bron was preaching and he was talking about being a woman. I just want to say before I start with trying to understand who we are and our identity, women are valued. Women are valued. And I'm so grateful that I can be a woman. And it's a gift. Motherhood is a gift. It's an honor. And we celebrate and honor women for the sacrifice that they make for their families and for their children. And I've been pondering this week about motherhood. I'm a new mom. I have a little one-year-old. And I can tell you something. It isn't at all what I expected. It's not what I expected. And at each stage, as I chat to other moms, they too share with me, hey, Linnea, it isn't what I expected either. The speed or lack there of speed in which it takes to get pregnant. How your body responds when you start to have a baby or when when that baby is living within you. Finding out you are not able to carry a baby how the baby's going to come. Was that birth plan worth it? Maybe. Mine wasn't. Disclaimer. How's feeding going to go? What's that like? What is that difference in your marriage now that that child or those children have come into your life? Your ability to manage their moods on top of your own, as well as your many different priorities in life. But what about their giggles? and their laughs? What about seeing their personality and their character start to form and shape? What about those moments when they make you really proud? When they're making good choices? What about when they say, I love you, mom? I love you, dad. And what about for those of you who have your own babies who are seeing them 
have babies. What a beautiful thing. But I'm willing to bet that some of those moments on your own journey of motherhood haven't been as bad as what you would have expected. But I'd also be willing to bet that those other, those other, the other journey of your motherhood isn't as good as what you would have expected. Excuse my, my talking. So this morning, we're going to look at Eve. We're going to look at the story of Eve because there are some things about the first mother that I think God wants to teach us a bit about our expectations. And so Eve's name means the mother of all living. But before Eve was named Eve, in chapters one and two, Adam and God call Eve something else. They call her female and wife and helper. And that was all that she was known as and how she would have identified herself. And then for those of us who know the story, our dear Eve makes the big mistake and she eats the apple. And what was, and, and Eve wouldn't have expected what was about to come next. And scripture says this, and I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed offspring and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only strike his heel. Genesis 3.15. How encouraging, right? The God of all universe is speaking this passage, but he's speaking to the serpent or otherwise known as Satan. And Eve's curse came and looked a bit different. And he says this, I'll multiply your pains in childbirth. You'll give birth to your babies in pain. So God here is giving Eve a clear expectation of what to prepare for. And that is for you and for me, even still to this day, spiritual warfare and physical pain and physical pain. And so girls, moms, women, this was where warfare between Satan and you began in this very moment. But not only that, from Satan and all of the rest of humanity, that pain would increase in childbirth. So we know that God spoke there would be some form of pain, but God upped the ante. Just think about those of you who have had contractions before. Imagine each contraction being a reminder of how badly you missed the mark. That's a lot to process for our dear Eve, for me and for you. But before God spoke these things, before God said what was about to happen, before Adam had this conversation that we probably don't know about, we can get inside Eve's head a little bit. And this is what she could have expected. She could have expected that Adam and her would have an argument, that he may want to potentially divorce her, even though there would be no one else on earth for him to marry. Maybe him telling her how terrible she was because she just opened the doorway to death for all of humanity. No big deal. She would have felt those same things Braun just talked about. Shame, fear, and guilt. And you know what? That would have been the first time those emotions would have come into the world because she was in a perfect place. Imagine, you know, remember feeling those things for the first time? How, what that felt like? You didn't know what to do? A lot going on. She could have expected God's reaction. Adam and men are going to be God's favorite forever. He's going to change the way he thinks about women for all of mankind, for the rest of the world, if there is a rest of the world, because of me. He's going to remove his blessing that he made to me, that I'm going to be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And he's going to put someone else in charge, like tigers or French bulldogs. Could it be 
that would have been the very first moment of mom guilt. Could it be? But then something unexpected happened. And that is who Jesus tends to be, isn't it, when we read scripture. Starting with Adam, Genesis 3 verse 20 says this. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. You see, Adam was listening close to what God said and what he spoke, even to his wife. Pro tip, men. Pro tip. But through those curses, Adam heard God prophesy. He was prophesying hope. In verse 15, he says this, that she was going to be the giver of life, which means that God was going to give her seed, which means she was going to give birth and she was going to be a mom. And Adam was the one to name her Eve, not God. And so this is the tradition of where we start taking men's name. That's where this has started. We, begin, we can believe in that moment that she became of higher value in Adam's eyes because of the prospect of her seed was going to save humanity and save himself. And you know something else? She wasn't even a mom yet before Adam called her this. He was speaking in faith over his wife from what God spoke even though she just made the biggest mistake and he said, this is who you're going to be. You are Eve. She is going to be the mother of all living, not the mother of all dying, the mother of all living. And Eve became a fountain of hope in Adam's eyes for life to continue through her and her promised seed of Jesus who would save me and who would save you and your children and their children and children's children because of Jesus. And it was so much better than she would have expected. And as for God, he kept his blessing to these first parents that he made in Genesis 1:28 to be fruitful and to multiply. But more than that, God offered his mercy to this sweet mom because you know what he did? He sought her out. He covered her in clothes so she wouldn't feel shame anymore. God moved towards Eve. And God gave her an even greater calling than she already had. She would be who he would choose to undo what she just did. In that moment, God chose the woman. He chose the woman to be the birthplace of salvation for all of the human race. That woman would birth a new beginning. He treated her than she ever would have expected, and he loved her despite her mistakes. God responded so much better than she expected that you and I would have all expected. So we remember that God kept his blessing, God moved towards Eve, and God chose women. So now I just want to speak to you women. Expect a spiritual battle. (laughs) Expect a fight. But when we have God, he's never going to abandon you. He's not going to change the words that he's spoken over you. And Eve couldn't have done anything worse. But the difference that some of us here have and some of us don't is that Eve had God. Eve had God. And you see, this is the first biblical record of what relationship looked like. Beautiful. It's almost as if God was teaching them how to be parents. Okay, you mess up. Okay, I'll give you a punishment, but I'm going to come in and I'm going to help you alongside alongside that. And now speaking to you future moms, to you current moms, to you spiritual moms, to you grandmas, expect that you're going to maybe raise your voice, that you might have bags that are under your eyes, that you might be a bit tired, 
that you're going to have moments of impatience. Maybe be a little bit like your own mom. And for some of us, that's not comfortable. To be a bit anxious. Maybe be unsure about the decisions that you're going to make. To feel tension on where to spend your time. But more than that, more than that, when you invite God in, expect him to make a way when it feels like there is no way, like he did for Eve. And, don't, and be like Eve and don't focus too much on your loss, on your frustration of self, and raise your expectations of God and his spirit within you. And this is for men as well as women. But when you look at your child, you look at their face, whether they're a little baby or whether they're old and gray, And you think about that child and you be reminded that your relationship with God wasn't lost in the garden, but it was made secure through the birth of Jesus Christ. They are that promise that you and I have. And you know, motherhood may not be what you would have expected, but when we have God, he always has our expectations exceeded. He always helps us to properly surrender our expectations to him. So expect God to always be there for you in your motherhood and in your parenthood. Expect a fight, but expect knowing that you know how to fight that battle. Expect him to make a way and expect God to be in it with you, that he has a relationship with you. And you know, we talked a bit about loss today. And Eve understood what loss was like. She lost the freedom of living in a perfect place. She lost a perfect life. She was banished from her home. She lost her son, Abel, who was killed by her own son. I mean, talk about drama, right? Imagine dealing with that. But there is so much hope despite terrible loss that we can understand through this passage. And so for those of you who have lost babies, they are with Jesus. And we pray that that you know that God sees and he knows your pain. And that we will be able to trust God for you when you don't trust God in it because it's so hard to understand. That he will make a way and a place for you to rest and to grieve and to process your emotions and that he is with you in the darkest valley. And for those of you who have lost your mom, or maybe your mom isn't in your life, or maybe your mom isn't what you'd wish she would be, their legacy lives on in you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But you know, there's a name we're talking about, moms and motherhood. But there is an even better name that you can be called this morning. And that is forgiven. That is forgiven. It is better than any title or role that you can fill. And that is forgiven and being saved by Jesus Christ. And so we're going to have an opportunity for those of you moms who may be doing it without the Lord. And maybe you'd like a little bit of help from Jesus. But there's also a group here that maybe need a bit of a refreshment in that. Or even men here. This isn't just for women who need to invite God into their heart. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. But I just want to remind us of a couple of things. The enemy has been destroyed. And so no matter what you face or what feels challenging or difficult right now, there is an eternal hope. There is an eternal hope. And the curse of sin has been broken because of Jesus. 
we can live redemptively because of Jesus and saved from all sin and all evil because of Jesus, not because of you, not because you clean yourself up, but because of Jesus and accepting what he's done. And so I just wanna pray for you now. So if you just wanna close your eyes. And I'm just gonna have the moms who wanna pray this prayer because it's just specific for you just to repeat after me. And if you're a mom and you've had invited Jesus into your heart, you can just repeat the same thing and just say, Jesus, forgive me of trying to go my own way. I need you to be my father and friend. I surrender my motherhood. I surrender my life. I surrender my children. I surrender my future children to you. And I ask that you would take full control from this moment on. In Jesus' name. And for those of you who don't know Jesus at all, and maybe he's knocking at the door of your heart, and maybe you would like someone like we saw, how God responded to come in and help and rescue you and to make a way, a better way like God did for Adam and for Eve to come into your parenthood because some of you moms are doing it by yourself, right? But when we have God, it can be so much sweeter and so much better. And so I just wanna pray for you as well, just in general. So just repeat after me, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of when I try to go my own way. Forgive me when I place so much expectation on myself to do it by myself. I surrender my life to you. I ask that you would take full control from this moment on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.